We're back. We're doing this all over again. We're back. Deja vu. We've had our holiday break. We've gorged ourselves on sweets. You're relaxing in temperate climates and I'm here watching the snow. So all is well in the world. Well, we're starting up again when the LPGA decides to take a break. So I don't know how well we've planned this. (laughs) Hey, you got to recap what is done and we can talk about that break. Yes, definitely. Well, welcome back to the Mixed Bag Podcast with Justin and Abby. This is where we talk about everything going on in women's professional golf, as well as just the news in women's golf in general. Uh, but but I wanted to kick us off with some For the Ladies housekeeping items. Um, we've got our March events in Jacksonville, Dallas, and Charlotte. You can find all the information for each of those events at fortheladies.net. Definitely hope to see some people out there excited to go to Dallas and Charlotte. Those are new locations for us. And Jacksonville, we're we're given a new uh, course a try the yards which is super fun I've played there it uh, when I played there it was 12 holes and then they have their short course so it should be a really fun day. Um, but aside from that, we are sold out of the Lily, but if people do end up dropping out, we, we do have a wait list. So you just need to call Pinehurst to get on there. And then today we launched our custom for a golf skirt. So you can rep for the ladies on the golf course. It is a beautiful, it is a stunning skirt with palms and it says for the ladies on it. And I think everyone should get one. So you can go find those at fortheladies.net as well. Are you going to get one? I don't think they make them in my size, but that's, <laughs> that's the only drawback. The only drawback for sure. Perfect. Right. I don't, you know, I don't have a lot of foray golf apparel in my closet. So they do a, make, a they make men's stuff. Not that like men can't wear skirts, but they like make, you know, traditional men's things. They have like shirts. Do they? Mm-hmm. Hey, I have a for the ladies hat. So it's a great start. Most important thing. Yeah. Well, we have to kick it off like we always do with a personal golf update. Have you played any golf in 2022? No, I played in a freezing cold scramble in December that I think we might have talked about the last time. And I have not swung a club or done anything in 2022, which has actually been somewhat nice for me. My old body needs a physical break yeah. from golf. So I'm looking forward to it. I've got a trip in a couple of weeks down to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. It's barely a golf trip. We're there four to five days and it's more of a gambling, drinking trip, but there's 24, 24 of us going down. So it should be a good time. So that will be my first um, scores entered into the gin system. And I expect very little of them. Yeah. I played golf in Scottsdale this past weekend and I like, I played so bad. I mean, it was very entertaining, but I mean, I would just, I would go, my short game was horrible. Like I would go and land in a bunker I'd hit it into the other bunker across the green. It was ping pong. It was, it was not great, but Hey, you have to like get the rust off somewhere. Hey, the weather should be breaking for you guys soon. I mean, you should be able to get out and yeah, definitely. Area. So our weather is not breaking anytime soon. No, you Toledo people. <laughs> right. right. We get what we deserve. <laughs> 
All right. Well, we got to kick it off. Uh, we're going to, so this year with Mixed Bag, we're going to try to do this like every three events or so. Give you guys a little taste of what happened at each event. If something big ends up happening, we need to do an emergency podcast. We, we certainly can, but uh, excited to, to break these down for you all and, and keep you posted on what's going on in women's golf. Um, we kicked off the year with the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions and our champion, no surprise, was Danielle Kang. Um, the format, it is a pro-am in some way or like celebrity golf tournament. So just wanted to note that that is part of the equation. Um, and yeah, Danielle came hot in 2021 at the tournament of champions. She finished second in 2020. She won the first two events after the pause in the schedule due to COVID. Um, so she just comes out of these events hot and she, uh, it was her sixth LPGA tour win. Yeah, I think this is a good event. I don't love the traditional pro-ams. This event's a little more unique in that there's yeah. a celebrity Stableford component to right. it. Um, and I think great for the event, they had Annika playing in the celebrity <laughs> portion of it. So anytime you get a little bit more Annika golf and a chance to see, you know, the greatest of all time play, I think that's a total win-win for fans and for the event yeah uh, i think lake known is a good golf course i mean there's a reason all the european Ryder cup guys polter mcdowell stenson have lived there for over 20 plus years it's a good south florida golf course and i think the cream rises to the top in this event this event delivers uh good golf channel coverage and you know i think on the whole, it was great to see Danielle get back to the winner's circle. You know, I think 2021 with the Solheim Cup not going the way she wanted, not getting a win probably wasn't, you know, the season that she had hoped for. Right. But, um, you know, you look at who the top 10 of this event were, and sure, it's a, by and large, you have to kind of win the last couple of years to get in the event. But, I mean, the leaderboards are delivering, and that's a, a trend we'll see here in the next few weeks, but I think it's a good event. You know, sometimes it gets bogged down in the celebrity coverage, but sure. on the whole, I, uh, I got no problem with it. And I thought it was great. I don't know if it was Grant Boone or who sent the initial tweet or maybe Tom Abbott regarding, you know, Marty fish and Derek Lowe, who are both very, very good players mm -hmm. and their scores and scoring average in relation to par playing from the same tees that the LPGA players played from. And I think Marty Fish, who carries about a plus one or plus two handicap. So even if that's a vanity handicap to a certain degree, he's still a very good player. Right. And he plays in the Lake Tahoe celebrity event. And he and Derek Lowe both were well over par um, for the totality of the event. And you look at, you know, Danielle Kang and what those players shot in the same conditions. I think it's another great endorsement for the quality of the golf and the quality of the players. And yeah. I think Twitter jumped on that and that was good publicity. Yeah. I know that Wells Adams from the bachelor played with Rhea Jutanagarn and like, he only had glowing things to say about her. I, you know, anytime we can get people who um, are names in the world and can, you know, shine a light on the LPGA, it's, it's just a win. Um, I mean, I think there's always ways to do it, you know, better and stronger, but um, I think this was a really nice example of that. 
Um, there was Wells Adam. <laughs> Wells Adams is is a name in your book from The Bachelor. Well, is he, is he a he's a name in Bachelor Nation, and I I think for me it's more he just has a lot of like social media followers. Sure. <laughs> date or he's dates or is married to someone famous yeah it's the girl from modern family I'm, oh yeah sarah I, highland yes yes See, we put See? it all together yeah um there was um nbc coverage of this tournament on saturday yep. too which i mean I, we hear it all the time anytime that the lpga can get on network coverage because people do flip the channels um it is a good it's a good thing so I, it was nice for them to get that started one thing, Brooke Henderson finished second. Um, she had like, it's been interesting to watch her because she finished second and then T6 and then T11, I think. So she's like having a relatively good start to the year, but it doesn't like, I don't know, every time I'm watching, I'm like, wait, she just missed another putt. So I'm, I'm curious to just see how her year goes. I, I, I don't know if we even have access to like strokes gain putting yet as fans, but um, I, I like would really love to see because uh, she's obviously had a good start to the year, but um, she's been just like close. Right. And not to mention she loses her driver here in a few weeks. Oh, that's right. She has the 48 inch driver, mm-hmm. which she, you know, chokes down on, but she will be losing um, access or, the ability to use that driver here in the coming weeks. So I think it's kind of interesting. She said in an interview that she's kind of going to ride it out as long as she can with the uh, existing driver and, you know, go from there. Love it. All right. What's your rating? Okay. So we talked about this. We need to go to a broader 10 point scale. The five point scale was getting too cumbersome. Yes. So we're going to a broader 10 point scale and I want to leave myself a lot of runway for all the great golf tournaments and go- great golf courses we have. So Good. like I talked about, I like like Nona. I like the event. I like the coverage. Very compelling uh, leaderboard. I gave this one at the end on a 10-point figure skating scale an 8.1. Okay. So I gave it a little bump for the Annika coverage, um, but... It's a good, solid starting event, and I feel comfortable with that score because if you go too high or too low, it just sets a bad precedent moving forward that I will never recover from. Yep. Yep. Fine. Great. Now we have a bar. Bar has been set. (laughs) The bar has been set. All right, let's move on to the Gainbridge LPGA at Boca Rio, where Daniel King almost went back to back. This would have been like her second time doing something like this at the kickoff of the season. But we had uh, a showdown between her and Lydia Ko the final day, and Lydia Ko uh, eked it out to win. Um, the course is Boca Rio, and the coverage was all on Golf Channel, all live. Um, so all good things from that perspective, um, overall, just like a really good leaderboard. You had Yuka, um, which I think I posted something and was given a hard time by one of my colleagues and Justin Ray, because I was like trying to be cool and like share a stat. (laughs) Um, but I think, uh, there don't fight the stat master. I know I was like, oh gosh, this is like, not, I don't belong here. I should slowly step away. Um, but it was a good event. I mean, it was nice, you know. I think the cool, the bet, like one of the great parts of the LPGA is that all the top talent shows up to a lot of the events, which is something we don't always see on the PGA tour because they, their schedule is so full. Um, so I thought it was great to see like 
the best talent showed up a lot of great people um, at the top of the leaderboard. So, and then Lydia winning and it's just amazing to me, like her career and, you know, they kept showing during the broadcast, you know, where she stands in getting into the hall of fame. She's like the youngest person by far, I feel like to, to be up there that high. Um, so I just, it was a good win. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said. I mean, it's another wow champion. I mm. mean, you brought up the leaderboard. Daniel Kang almost goes back to back. Yuka, Charlie Hall, Celine, Lexi, Brooke Henderson again playing well. You know, the LPGA, especially in these early season events where you have natural breaks coming up and they're coming off of a break, all mm-hmm. the top players are playing. So it's getting very top heavy. And they're delivering with really strong early season performances from a lot of the stars. Um, you know, this event's in its third year and you had Madeline Sagstrom, Nelly and Lydia win. So regardless of how, you know, the course, you know, might be classified or looked at as a Florida golf course, it's identifying great talent Sure. and had good coverage, a great leaderboard, a great finish. It was very compelling at the end. Uh, I think these early season events and while we'll get to the schedule later, the one big takeaway is you had the tournament of champions and then you had two events all in Florida, all in close proximity. So that really brought out a lot of really top talent and that showed in the leaderboard at each event. And that's really a positive takeaway. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I know I, at the end of the last year, I was like hating on all the, all the Florida golf, but if it is bringing out the best talent at the end of the day, this is an entertainment product. So right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, Florida golf is what it is. I mean, it's usually windy. It's usually flat. There's usually houses and there's usually a lot of ponds. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm the quintessential when I go to play Florida golf. It's like, am I going to hit it into some guy's lanai or am I going to hit it to a pond? Because I'm going to the wall regardless. It's so accurate. (laughs) um, But no, I mean, on the whole, uh, again, I think this is a nice, solid first full field event of the season. I gave this one a 7.9 rating, uh, a little lower than the, the, the champions event. Um, had, again, had a great leaderboard, a great finish, a really good champion. I mean, Lydia's not 25 until the end of April and she's Crazy. got 17 wins and she's now having this almost, you'd hate to say it's amazing at 24 years old to have like a second act of your career. Yeah. You could even maybe argue it's the third act. She had her, you know, when she was an amateur and won mm-hmm. so young, then she turned pro won a ton, won everything kind of, I mean, you hate to say lose it because she didn't really lose it. She didn't go, you know, Yanni sang and disappeared. She just wasn't winning. Right. And now has come back and has two wins, you know, over the last calendar year, you know, plus the scoring average award. I, I, I expect this is a, a sign of things to come in a big year for Lydia Cohen. I think it proves not to harp too much on the leaderboard, but it's going to be really hard to win events. Yeah. I mean, you look at the depth of players, you look at players like Celine Boudier that won or that played well through the Florida swing, Brooke Henderson, Stacey Lewis played better. You know, there's a lot of players playing really well and maybe you play well and you, you still finish fifth. Right. I know. It's just deep talent, which is fun. I like the idea that like you can recognize the names that are going to be at the top because it gives you people to root for week after week. Um, 
Whereas on the PGA tour, you know, who knew that Tom Hoagie was going to end up winning at Pebble? Like, you know, it, right. it's fun when the, when the people who are leading um, events week after week, the name starts to look familiar. And I think that helps the product. Right. It, it's like I said, it is getting very top heavy for good or bad. You can argue about sure. that. Sure. I think it's identifying stars. It's identifying elite talent and it's getting harder and harder to get to that elite level. But at least through this mini Florida swing, there weren't a lot of mysteries on top of the leaderboards. Yeah. And it delivered. It was exciting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Drive on your girl. <laughs> I feel like we need like a drum roll or like some sort of, oh, no, some bagpipes to like lead us That's in. Scottish. Bagpipes are Scottish. I think people are using them for Irish purposes too. I associate bagpipes with Scotland, but we'll digress with our uh, greater UK knowledge. Perfect. That'll be a great poll. Like, would you associate bagpipes with Irish as well? <laughs> um, I'm champion. sure you'll vote multiple times. Yeah. Champion, Leona McGuire, first Irish winner on the LPGA tour, you know, I, I'll let you do the recap. I feel like, I feel like we should let you just take this one. <laughs> Listen, as one of Leona's biggest fans, uh, we knew this was coming. I think after the Solheim cup and her performance there, everybody anticipated that she would win, uh, got herself kind of in the mix a couple times late in the season last year, but really came out this year and, really grabbed this this win uh you know it was very close kind of heading to the back nine and she really finished it off in style lexi came back hold a shot really battled uh in the third round but it was a bit of a, a coronation for leona get that proverbial monkey off her back get the first win the things i love it's a great win for irish golf it's great for european golf and it's great for the growth of the game Sure. Um, and I talked about earlier, you know, you have with the momentum coming off of the Solheim Cup, you have Celine Boudier playing well and contending. Charlie Hall's played well in two events. And now you have Leona McGuire winning. These are all good things for golf and for the LPGA Tour. Um, I obviously was very happy to see her win. Um, and I think it's just going to, again, open the, the, the proverbial floodgates. Winning's hard. We sure. talked about, does that mean she wins one more time this year? Or maybe kind of like last year, she just racks up a bunch of top fives and top tens. But I think she'll contend in majors. She showed a lot of guts and a lot of determination and just really put on a ball striking clinic the final round, but really the all three days. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, for those who don't necessarily know her backstory, she was the world number one amateur golfer. She played at Duke. Um, she is repped by Niall Horan's management team. And I think he's from one direction. Uh, obviously from one direction, obviously, excuse me. Um, Big but golf supporter from yeah. one direction. Yeah. You know. But, she, but she had said in her, um, post win press conference, I feel like even at Christmas, people were asking, when are you going to win? When are you going to win? That was on the tip of everyone in everybody's tongue. And so, I mean, you know, you can say that there, you don't feel the pressure, but you know, you, you want to make people proud and you want to, you know, you want to get that first win. So it, it was great for her to, to be able to do that. Um, and 
Yeah, it was, you know, I also really enjoyed seeing Marina Alex toward the top of the leaderboard. She had been out with injuries um, and and is playing, you know, fully again. Um, She's just a big advocate for the LPGA and and trying to continue to get, you know, work toward equity between the PGA Tour and LPGA Tour. So, I, you know, it's great when somebody who is such a big advocate is also doing really well on the course, too. Um, So just wanted to give her a little shout out. Former Solheim Cup player, too. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, you know. I, we've, I've said this now three times. You talk about, you know, getting a breakthrough win, you know, on the men's side, Scotty Scheffler, Will Zalatoris. I mean, we yeah. saw Zalatoris at Torrey Pines struggle with the putter down the stretch. Yep. Winning isn't easy on any professional golf tour at any level. And I think when the pressure builds and the pressure builds and you go maybe a year or two years or three years without winning, some self-doubt creeps in. And I think it's good to see Leona get this win. And now I think she can take her career even to the next level, getting close to the top 20 in the world and progress from there. Yeah, definitely. I am. What did you, do you know anything about Crown Colony Golf and Country Club? No, no I talked to someone uh, on the, at the LPGA who was on site during the week and, you know, they indicated the, the greens and the course were in, you know, decent shape, but I think that's probably fairly true. I mean, look, it, it looked like a very kind of monotonous Florida golf course, Sure. but you know, in defense of the LPGA, they need another event. They needed a full field event. Um, I think it would have been a tough start without this drive on to go the champions event, a full field event, and then go for two Asian events and through that mini Asian swing that are not full field events either. You know, those 80 player events. So they needed this drive on event. Um, maybe they couldn't find the title sponsor, but credit to Crown Colony, its members for giving up the golf course. You know, we can sure. talk about they found a way to get it on Peacock. It had limited fans, but, you know, I, I feel like the drive on name was kind of a great Kickstarter, you know, a year and a half ago when it was, okay, let's, kind of jumpstart our season again. Yep. And I don't know. I'd like to see, I understand why the event was played. I understand why it needed to happen. I would like to see a title sponsor or maybe a little better venue, you know, maybe open up just to, you know, give players a little more opportunity. Yeah. I guess for me, there's just like a bit of confusion from my end. Like, why are we still doing these? Um, like the drive, like the drive on for during COVID. Yes. Like they needed playing opportunities. It had been months since the women played. Um, but when it comes to continuing these, like we should be pushing for some sort of title sponsor, like you said, to come on and, and add events in that way. Um, you know, it's a lot for the LPGA to fund these. And then when you don't have fans and it's, all on Peacock. It was just, it's just interesting that they're continuing to do them. Um, and maybe, you know, there may have been, maybe we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. There may have been a title sponsor set up and maybe they had to pull out. And so they're like, we're still running this event. Um, it, it truly could have been a variety of reasons, but it's just something I, I'm curious to continue to watch and see how they handle these because, I know that, you know, they kept saying there's so much focus on the players this week. And I think that's awesome. Like you should be celebrating your players. Um, but, but what's going to be the best for the tour. Um, and then, it, and now we have this big break. Right. 
And I think too, you want to try to create continuity in your stops. That's how you bring fans in. That's how you bring volunteers in. That's how you you get the, oh, this is the defending champion. And, you know, Inverness was in a unique spot when they brought back the first drive on. Then you had the the Reynolds Lake of Coney, maybe, is it where they had the other drive on? And that Mm -hmm. was kind of a one-off too that was needed in uh, 2020. I, like I don't get the vibe that maybe maybe this event continues at Crown Colony with a new sponsor next year. I don't know. Yeah, I know it's hard. I know people are working hard, but if it's if you want to take the product to the next level, I think you need to kind of okay. We're going to start off our season in Florida. We're going to have a Florida swing, and you want those to be kind of consistent venues. And Lake Nona is a great place to start. And, you know, Boca Rio now has stepped up for three years in a row. And that seems like that event's gaining traction. But you need another event or two before you you have the mini Asian swing. And then you're on the West Coast for a while. Yeah, I'm still going to fight for the uh, drive-on match play championships where, like, they just play back-to-back drive-ons that are match play format and then just sell it to one title sponsor. I just think, like, let's be creative. Let's be creative, you yeah. know, that's all. I'm try something different. Yeah. All right. Um, well, we did mention the coverage, but we, but we, you know, we wanted to share at least how this was covered in case you missed it. Um, they did featured groups on Peacock. So about, I'm guessing it was like two to three. It was kind of hard to keep track. Um, and then they did one hole on LPGA.com. I'm not sure how worth it it was to do that. Um, it, it's a professional event. I, I don't know. It, it didn't do much for me. Um, but Peacock, like, again, wish they would have had the funds to cover it correctly with, you know, being able to cover all the groups as they needed to. But I think, again, like you're turning lemons into lemonade and you, you want to get your tournament on, you want coverage of your event. And so that's what they had to do. Yeah. I think once, and you and I talked about this, once you found Peacock and once you turned into it, yeah the content and the execution felt very much like a regular golf channel event. The only real difference was probably due to financial limitations or resources or the golf course or whatever it may have been on Saturday, which was the third and final round. They really were only following on camera two groups, which lucky for them included, you know, Lexi Thompson, Stacey Lewis, Marina, Alex, Leona McGuire. You had some unique stories in there. But just ahead, you had players like Patty T and Charlie Hall and some players making a move early in the round towards the middle of the final round. And I think I texted you at one point, like Patty T and Charlie Hall were like tied for fourth or tied for third. And we hadn't seen a single shot of theirs. So, you know, we're complaining about something that you really can't change is Peacock better than it not being on TV at all? Yes, absolutely. Right. Or is it better than probably a tape delay on golf channel? I don't know from a dollars and cents standpoint, but from a fan's perspective, I'd rather have it live on Peacock than tape delayed at, you know, nine o'clock at night, similar to what the the marathon classic here in the Toledo area was last year. 100%. They had a couple hours of coverage, but it was very limited and it was tape delayed. So you know, Jerry Foltz, Grant Boone, all those guys that we've met, and they're doing a great job with what they have. They have a passion and they're executing it to the best of their abilities. But uh, 
you know, we'll get there. I mean, I think people are used to streaming services. And I oh, made yeah. To me, it's not the streaming. I mean, I don't know. It's like I have so many schools of thought. Um, but it's like when you're showing, you know, DJ Piowski called this out on No Laying Up, like when you are showing a replay of like the DP world tour, like final round, but you can't show like, they're just, how is there not more flexibility in some of this? Like if you're not going live with live golf on your main golf channel, like show the live golf. And I get it. Like there's contracts and, you know, there's return on investment. We have to make sure that we're giving the advertisers what they want because that feeds the tours. Like there are so many intricacies to this. Um, and I am like, like you said, I am happy that we were able to watch it live. I'd rather it be that than tape delay. Um, so it, it's just a weird situation. And like, I don't have the answers, like the people with the powers that be do, but, um, and for the benefit of the fan, like, I just wish it was a little better. Right. And I think a year or two ago, if you had said, Hey, on an online streaming service, you can watch a golf channel produced product live even if it was just limited groups, I think a lot of people would have taken that. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's baby steps. And you know, so to put a bow around the Leona McGuire breakthrough win, (laughs) obviously selfishly awesome winner. It was just a three-day event. It wasn't on regular TV. And as we kind of alluded to it, you know, probably was the, the, the least, you know, engaging course of the Florida swing. So I gave this one a 7.5. Okay. So to recap, we have 8.1 for the Tournament of Champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gamebridge at Boca Rio, I have 7.9 and 7.5 for the drive-on at Crown Colony. All right. I approve of this baseline. It gives us room for growth. It gives us room for criticism. So well right. done. Right. Um, well, coming up on the LPJ tour, so they are off until March for a quick Asian swing to Singapore, Singapore and Thailand. Um, and those events do end up pulling like good players and, and a good group to play in them. So it'll be fun to watch. Um, and then they return to the United States at the end of March uh, for an, it's the I can't remember the name, but it's in Carlsbad. Um, and I know it's a sponsor who is supporting a few events on the LPJ tour this season. Um, it's like JP, this is bad radio, JP something, something, but we have the JTBC classic presented by Barbasol on March 24th, to the 27th at Aviara golf club. Yep. In Carlsbad. So I think that'll be fine. You know, those events always get really fun turnouts because Carlsbad is where all of the golf equipment companies are based, at least a majority of them. So um, I'm sure we'll get some fun content coming out of those events. Um, so excited to tune in. But um, other than that, I wanted to dive into some news. Um, you know, the Epson Tour was announced as the new title sponsor of the LPGA Tour Feeder Tour, which was formerly called the Symmetra Tour. You know, at the end of the day, I thought this was a really exciting announcement. Higher purses all around, lower entry fees. If you didn't know, the women on the Epson Tour actually have to pay to compete in these events. Um, and then they also are creating a new ambassador program. So for players who get their tour card through the race for the card season long competition, they will become an Epson ambassador and get $10,000 each. That's typically around 10 people. Um, and so overall, like I thought it was, it's great news for the Epson Tour for the women who are trying to get onto the LPGA Tour. Um, you know, 
steps are steps. And, and I think it's great that a sponsor came on to support in this kind of way that actually tangibly um, supports the players. Yep. Who need uh, it. You know, they just announced today their full schedule. That's yep. a very robust schedule, which with increased purses, like you talked about, again, you know, lower tier mini tour developmental tour golf, whatever the appropriate term is, is always going to be a, a financial struggle for the participants. But yeah, this, uh, this at least paves a little better path and a little smoother path for players to get from the Epson tour to the LPGA tour and maybe makes it a little bit more, you know, financially feasible. I'd heard interviews with Casey Danielson about, you know, the cost relative to, you know, entry fees and maybe you have to take a caddy and you've got to travel and find housing. Um, you know, these are real expenses for these younger, typically younger players that are trying to get their card. So having a, a sponsor in place and having a better structure in place uh, from the purse, uh, all good things. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think French lick is one of the courses that has the highest purse of $350,000, which is super exciting. Um, I, you know, that course in general, just is a great supporter of golf, especially from the developmental tour side. They also run a big junior event where like they bring, they, they cover the costs of the juniors to compete in the event. So it's cool to see just like when communities step up to, to support the people who need it. Um, so overall super excited for the Epson tour season. There's great players on that tour. Uh, we interviewed a bunch of them who graduated and are now playing on the LPGA tour. So you can check those out, um, on our podcast, but moving on Nellie Corda was named player of the year by the golf writers association of America. Not a huge surprise. I think, you know, she was not named player of the year based on other factors because Jin Young Ko had won so many, you know, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's kind of like a, um, personal, it's a very subjective decision. Um, but obviously with Nelly winning, you know, the gold Olympic medal, um, it all made sense to me, but I didn't, I didn't know if you had any additional thoughts about it. I just said it was well-deserved. I think the gold yeah. medal kind of puts her over the top versus the LPGA point system. Right. We talked about this last year, the, the point system isn't perfect, but it at least gives you something to kind of fall back on. So you don't run into a situation like they had in the PGA tour where mm -hmm. there's a lot of, you know, convoluted voting who did better in majors, who did better in this. I think Nelly winning the award is well-deserved and, you know, hopefully it means big things again for her this year. I hope so. Um, and then I know we wanted to talk about the LPGA video series, which was a three-part series that you can watch on YouTube. Um, and yep. it was, a, it was just like a really nice, like behind the scenes storytelling piece about, uh, focused around the CME, uh, finals, but, uh, told the stories of different players and, and also of the staff and how events come together. Um, caddies just kind of, you know, we keep hearing about the Netflix series that'll be coming out, um, about the PGA tour players. And it was cool to see, you know, a piece of content that was really striving to do good storytelling around the LPGA tour. Yeah. I thought it was a great way to kind of get some behind the scenes feel and look at the players. Amy Olson was featured a lot. Gabby Lopez, uh, Ellie Ewing was in there playing pickleball in one of the episodes. Um, I thought it was well produced. They're short, you know, 15, 20 minute episodes. And there were three of them that kind of break down the, the end of the season tournament last year. Um, I think it's hard because everyone's trying to capture the PGA Tour included 
kind of what F1 Formula One did with their Driven show on mm-hmm. Netflix. And that show's been out for three full seasons, documenting the last three seasons. And then they'll do another one here for the, you know, the 2021 into 2022 season. And that took a lot, that took a lot of time to get buzz, to get the notoriety and to get guys like no laying up talking about, you know, Formula One racing. So I think this will grow and it will develop, but as funny as it sounds, and we've already brought up The Bachelor, in order for people to find it compelling, you have to kind of create some form of drama or tension or maybe it's, you know, is this player going to keep their card? Is this player going to get, you know, a, a top 30 or top 50 exemption into this event? While it's nice to see the behind the scenes stories of these individual players and learn a little bit more about their personalities, I think if you're going to drive it and create something that grows, you've got to kind of find some of these hidden storylines. And I hope as they continue this, they do focus a little bit on maybe some of the players that are a little more under the radar, but some of the struggles that they're going through. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, I was listening to the Sportacast. It's by like the Sportico um, media group. And, you know, they're talking about Drive to Survive and they're like, hey, like we love watching um, the series, but like you're not getting that drama when you actually tune into the real product. And so it, it's funny, like, yes, it, you, you will increase your fan base, but are you creating and evolving your product to keep them? Um, and I think that that part is certainly interesting about all these th- things that come out. You know, we want people to tune in. We want people to, you know, watch week after week. So we have to, in my mind, like you have to continue to be creative to do that. Um, yeah. And so the, these can all deliver great storytelling. And, you know, I've, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't say I wasn't a fan of Gabby Lopez, but I was like, she's awesome after watching the the final episode. So, um, so, you know, it gives me somebody else to root for, which is really fun, but you you do have to continue to evolve, like how you present your product, because if you're going to bring new people into the sport, you have to entertain them too. Yeah. And I've always, I agree. I always liked Amy Olson, her run at the um, Mm -hmm. women's open. Open, mm-hmm. I think kind of drew more attention to her story, but I thought she was great in these series. And I loved how she said that she's the best pickleball player on tour. And Sophia Papa took a little bit of exception to that. So those type of things are fun and it shows a, a side and a personality that you don't see, especially just you know, watching an event on TV or you know, following an event in social media. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then we, we, the last thing we wanted to cover in our news was just the Augusta national women's amateur. Um, the invites went out for, for that tournament. Um, and Stanford certainly had a lot of representation. Was it seven players who will be going seven current or future Cardinal will be playing at Anwa. All seven are in the Wagger top 100. So what, whatever, coach, whatever coach Ann Walker is doing out there in Palo Alto, she has it cooking. Yeah, I mean. She has it cooking. So we'll wild. see here in the spring if they can win a national championship. As we know, it goes into match play, and there's a lot of oddities when it comes to match play. And on the men's and women's side, the best teams, you know, don't always win. Sure. But seven of the 70 or 71 players, plus or minus, are going to be uh, – Stanford Cardinal or graduate from Stanford, but their team will have some turnover. I don't know how long Rose stays there. 
Rachel's not staying there forever. Megagane's coming in next year. So they'll uh, they'll reshuffle the deck a little bit, but uh, sure, it's, it's a pretty good deck of cards out there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for the spring and to see all the players come back. I know Wake Forest, I think Wake Forest had about four women who will go. Um, Amelia Miliacho, um, who finished really well last year at the Augusta National Women's Amateur, ended up in the playoff. Um, so excited to see her return, especially now that she's going to be keeping her amateur status as far as we know, um, to, to continue, you know, you know, her aspirations to maybe work in broadcast or, or wherever life takes her. But I, it's a great event. Um, you know, I love all the you know top tier women's amateur golf events and they're 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 great to follow it's you know these are the women who are going to continue to play professionally so it's just really fun in general but yes a lot of eyes on stanford for the uh spring season indeed indeed lots to look forward to we've got a little bit of a hiatus but we got a big west coast swing we've got the, the finale at mission hills wilshire country That's club right. which is a great course in la yep um, have the Hawaii event where Lydia won last year. Mm-hmm. A lot of good things to come. Yeah. I'm it, yeah. It, you know, it's one of those things where like we talk a lot about on the PGA tour, there's so many events because obviously they're trying to serve their membership. Whereas on the LPGA, we're almost like, Oh, well it's exciting. Cause they have a break and then we're going to be excited for them to come back on tour. So just such a different uh, situation for both tours, but uh, excited, excited to follow along with you and, and get your, your text commentary on Sundays. <laughs> I do my best. You know, no one follows me on social media, so I have to tell you things that you can put out to, to the real audience. Yeah. I mean, somebody has got to be like funny, so I'll, I'll let you do it and I'll just share it. <laughs> right. You can use my wit for your own gain. Yeah, precisely. That's how it works. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. All right. I guess I'll see you in, you know, the end of March early April. I can't wait. I can't wait. Hopefully we'll have more. I'm sure with the, the Singapore and Thailand event, we'll have more awesome champions and yep. maybe we'll do a quick recap and preview of the, uh, the California Hawaii events and go from there. I like that plan. I like that we plan while we're on the podcast. Right. It's yeah. great radio. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye. <laughs> 